It is the circle of life, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. We are back again. Uh, you know, every time it's a Wednesday night, we're here. Every time I hear that little opening course, I get goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yes, not the books. Not so what the TV I just show, said gave you goosebumps. No, 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 not what you said. What listeners heard at the very beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps. I thought the fact that I just said "Circle of Life" gave you goosebumps. No, it's not that easy. Oh. Definitely not that easy. Well, whatever works then. I mean, so yeah, but we're like you said, we're excited. We're back. I it's didn't know, a, like you know, maybe you start, you know, you're singing on Sunday mornings, and I just sneak up behind you and just say "Circle of Life," and then that's all of a sudden you're gonna get goosebumps while you're singing. No, that would be, I don't know what that would be, actually. I'm not sure weird, how that would be. Weird. D- d- yeah. Hey. Strange. Strange. Stranger Things is popular right now. It is. I had, no spoilers. I hadn't watched it yet. Uh, we've, talked watched. About, we've talked about discussing it on the podcast down the line, but I need yeah. to watch it. So We finished season two uh, the other day. I think we were one episode into season three now. So we're behind, but we're catching up. Well, yeah, let's catch up on this week's topic. That's the What's Lion that? the King. The Lion King. Eh? The Lion King. And we've uh, we put it out to the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams of the world. A lot of people mm-hmm. love this movie. Uh, why, why do you think this movie still resonates with people? I know that we talked about that last week with Boy Meets World. This is a movie that's 25 years old. It's getting a remake this week. Um, I went back and rewatched it this week. I mean, do you, what is it about this movie that we still want to talk about it 25 years later? Well, I feel like for me, it, it hit me at a great age. I was seven years old when this movie came out. It came out June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. Is that right? You gave me a weird look. No, I think that's correct. Okay, you like gave me the stern lies. Like I, I wasn't that's even looking, not factual. Correct. I wasn't even looking at you. Oh well, so, looking at the wall behind me. I was actually looking down, but then I looked up, and, and there I was. There you were spitting out dates. So spit out that that date again. So June twenty fourth, nineteen ninety four. I was seven years old. Uh, for me, it was one of the first times I really remember going to the movie theater. I feel like I probably saw Aladdin, and I probably saw a lot of other things by seven years old. But um, but seeing that, I remember it was just a huge ordeal for me. Uh, it just resonated. It's one of those things that sticks with you. I left there, you know, and I will say, like, it's probably one of the top, it's top three Disney movies of all time for me. Uh, I know we've talked about it at some point doing a list, so I won't jump into that and spoil anything. But um. I remember about that. I remember having the toys. I remember having the video game on my Sega. Uh, and I remember it was so cool in the Sega, too, because it took literally just like the music straight out of the movie. You're taking scenes right out of the movie. You're literally just playing the movie, but you're doing it yourself now as Simba. And I feel like it was, you know, it was a great movie. Looking back on the clips I've looked at this week, I was reminded of how like beautiful the artwork actually is in this movie. It's not just saying, oh, it's kind of pretty. It's kind of whatever. Like, literally for the time, especially, like, the colors pop all over the place on this movie. Between Simba's, you know, his fur is, like, this bright yellow. And I love the fact, too, you know, between the different characters, even the lines, they each kind of had a little bit of their own color. But he definitely popped out. You look at, like, the moss that are on logs, like, out in the jungle um, with uh, Timon and Pumbaa just looking at the random things that are around. And it's, it literally looks like moss on log. And the way that they did camera work, I feel like, too, looking at that, you know, it's it's film or it's done as like a motion picture. Like it's not just your random cartoon, like as you had seen before. It's just a bunch of people flat, like on a page. You're seeing how it it's like a camera looking at Mufasa and Simba sitting on a cliff, and literally the artwork goes around them as if you know today you would have a drone shot, you know, following them around on the cliff. And just how they did that, even back then, to think about it, you know, as a kid, of course, I didn't see any of that, I didn't catch any of that. But I think as I've grown older to watch something like that and to realize how 
well it even holds up beyond you know what you notice as a child now you appreciate it even more as an adult you know for the quality of what it actually is how about you i mean i've got other stuff but well, so jump in f- so for me you know it was definitely a favorite as a kid mm-hmm. um you know the characters the music it all popped mm-hmm. but as an adult you know i want to take a little side road here some of my most memorable experiences took place on the continent of africa hmm. and it's an entirely different feel from life in america uh, the sound, the, the people, the scenery, the animals, the air. You know, there's a certain amount of, like, a certain kind of calmness there. And I think about it often. So when I rewatched The Lion King this morning, mm-hmm. it brought me back to a place that I love. You know, the opening sunrise in that movie. It's um, astonishing. I mean, it made me feel the warmth of the sun as I would watch it rise over the plain when I was there. That's awesome. Um, I actually have a picture that I took when I was in Swaziland. I'm going to show it to you here real quick. Um the top photo is the Lion King. The bottom photo is one I took. Oh, that's awesome. Folks and at home, like it literally looks very, very similar. We're gonna, I'm going to put it on uh, Instagram later this week uh, when we release the podcast. Um, you know, it gives me goosebumps every time I look at it. It's actually my iPhone background, hmm. um, the picture that I took. Uh, the shots of Rafiki moving around in the trees reminded me of the monkeys mm-hmm. that you could see in the trees behind the place we were staying. Uh, watching Pumbaa move around reminded me of the day we ran across a warthog in the middle of the of the yard. Was or, it uh, singing? No, no. Did I, you try to at least sing it, like sing to the warthog, see if it would sing back? We called it Pumbaa. I mean, because and then I just feel like if you would have started being like a wing boy, a wing boy, like just to see if he would just start dancing. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Next time, um, the stampede of the wildebeest mm-hmm. brought me back to a time where I actually had wildebeest for dinner. That's crazy. Um, which was in sausage form, and it was kind of spicy. It wasn't like the best in the world, but I felt like mm-hmm. I was getting my own personal revenge. I was about to say for like, Mufasa. You did um, seeing the lions and the lionesses uh, in the movie. It kind of transported me to a time when we actually were like less than fifty feet away from a lion, and like we had just discovered uh, bones in an animal carcass, which means the lions were out feeding. They only fed every few days, which means the lion was out there actually hunting. Hmm. So you know, kind of. That sense of adventure, mm-hmm. you know, it, it brought me back to that. The uh, opening song reminded me of these beautiful voices singing in complete harmony in their native language and how it made me want to dance or cry or worship depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. And all those sights and sounds that we see in this movie brought me back to my favorite part of Africa. Everything that you saw, it brought me back to my favorite part of Africa, which was the people, uh, the people who taught me so much about what life is and what life's about. This movie did that for me. That's you know, awesome. as a kid, yeah, I loved it. You know, it's one of my top three Disney movies as well. Mm-hmm. As an adult, looking back on it, I was transported back to a place that I love, and it made me want to go back and experience it again. Now, see, that's cool because I knew you went to Africa. You know, there's an inside joke that Eric and I talk about all the time, where he says he's been to Africa, and I says he hasn't. I mean, he's just photoshopped. I've been twice. He says he's he's been. He at least has some photographs to prove it. He just showed me one, but um, I didn't even think about. The fact that you had been, and then we're watching this movie now. Like, I mean, Black Panther did it for me two years ago when it came out as sure. well. Um, just when you get when you are able to capture the authenticity of what Africa is, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I know we refer to Africa as the, you know it's a, it's a whole continent. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many different countries. So I'm just taking my experience from this one or two countries that I've been to, but I feel like they've really captured what I experienced there and brought it to screen or brought it to life on the screen. Even back in 1994, before I had ever even been to Africa, they captured what I would later experience 20 years later. That's really cool. It transforms me back to a different time, too. Uh, It's definitely not 
probably as meaningful in the same sense as what your trip was. But for me, it, it transforms me back to being around that age. I remember sometime around the release of Lion King. It may have been the same summer, maybe the next summer. I'm thinking it was close to the same. But I remember our family went to Disney World that year. And at the time, MGM Studios, or what's Hollywood Studios now there, but it was MGM Studios, and there was still an animation department there on the lot that actually did work there in Florida. And I remember going in, they have like an animation tour where you could walk around, see all the artist desks, see just, you know, projects they're currently working on. They showed, you know, clips and stuff of how all this works together and how they put movies together and animation together to make movies. And I remember it was such a time where it was so close to the Lion King being released that on all the different artwork discs, there was artwork from the Lion King still sitting there. And there was stuff pinned up from the Lion King. There was stuff on the walls for representation where people had brought animals there into the studios and they had taken the time to really look into these animals to make sure that they were accurate and that they were correct. Same way some of them actually went to Africa to do the same thing to make sure they're getting these landscapes. And so the same way you saw a sunset, they wanted to make sure that the viewer seeing this cartoon or this animation was going to see the same similar, you know, the astonishment of that sunset would re- represent it as well. And on, they nailed it. They did. And I saw a meme the other day that says, you know, they say people say that you can't hear a picture and it's literally a picture of the sunrise from uh, Lion King and you automatically hear the song. But uh, I remember that. I remember Lion King was just really big at the time there. I remember getting my Simba stuffed animal from there. I still have that uh, to the point that my sister got one and so I had to have one too. Even though I'd like already spent my limit of what my parents said I could have for the trip. You know, it wasn't much. I could get like an item on the trip. But um, I had to have one as well. So we technically have two Simbas at my parents' house still. But that that's where that transports me. It, it takes me back to then and seeing those animators. It made me want to draw. It made me want to come home to love to do that. I still draw some. It's never, it's not the career that I have, you know, or anything like that. But I remember seeing that, seeing artist desk set up, seeing all the things, especially before computers were really involved much. You know, there's just paper everywhere. There's drawings everywhere. There's different little pictures here and there from the Lion King pinned up. And I just thought it was just a huge ordeal for me. Like, I remember being a kid and being like, I wonder if I get close enough to that artist, if they'll be like, oh, hey, kid, here, take this home with you. To the point that I kept kind of almost nudging at it. you know. But obviously, the guy just kept doing his work. And he was just like, yeah, kid, whatever. I mean, he didn't give me any artwork. But it's okay. I mean, I'm sure you know Disney probably owns that and he'd get sued if he gave it away or something. Well, Who knows? Um, so you mentioned, you know, the circle of life. Yeah. Uh, let's, we can go and jump right into the next part of the, you know, what we have set up, and that's the music. Um, the music, I mean, it's incredible. I it, will say it's my favorite soundtrack. My favorite soundtrack track too. And I remember as a child riding in the backseat with some friends, uh, whether we'd be with my parents or their parents, mm-hmm. and we'd have the cassette or the CD or whatever it was at the time. Uh, and we'd just be listening to these songs on blast. Yeah, and to the point that this was like on the radio too. Like, I feel oh, like yeah. Circle Life was on the radio. Hakuna Matata was played on some stations. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff, it hit big. It wasn't just some random thing. You know, today's radio is a little bit different anyway, but back then this was big. You know, the soundtrack from this movie. And I think part of the this, this music in this is amazing, first off. Just the songs are awesome. They still work today. They still work, you know, with all ages today. Uh, but even beyond that, just the score of the movie still Hans gets Hans Zimmer me. did just an incredible It's an amazing job. job. Every little scene that you see that you have some sort of emotional attachment to, whether it be sad or anger or happiness, it relates back to the music happening all at the same time. Uh, I've listened to it multiple times this week. I listened to it on the way here. 
Um, I typically listen to Disney music at least once a week at work, just as I'm doing work, just stuff in the background. But just this soundtrack in general, I mean, to think about Hans Zimmer then, I had no clue who he was. You know, you think about he, he's gone on to do amazing other things, but I automatically think of like the Dark Knight the trilogy. The Dark Knight trilogy. And how he does yeah. that too. And the same way, that's how I found out who that guy was. And then to find out he was the Lion King and he did everything. He was just so, he's done so many incredible things. And this is just one example of everything he's done. With um, with the circle of life, you know, I found it kind of interesting when I was reading up on it. Originally, the opening of the movie was going to be very dialogue heavy, mm-hmm. and then they heard this song, and they said, "We have to open the movie with just this." And I can't imagine that opening any other way now. Now, sure, I'm sure they could have done a decent job, but this this song sets the tone for the entire movie. Well, and to the point where the trailer for this movie mm-hmm. is just this entire first scene. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was the first time a movie ever just used one scene as a trailer. And I think it sold the movie it incredibly. Um, this song actually closes the movie as well, the same mm-hmm. way it opened it, with a birth and with, you know, just the circle of life. And it kind of ends with the Lion King title screen on. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I remember that as a kid, like being jumped back in my seat, like all of a sudden the boom at the end of it, whenever it happens. Same way it happened at the beginning, too, right? Does it happen at the beginning? Yeah, it happens at yeah, the beginning yeah, as beginning well. Yeah, and the, the big boom of that, like the drums and everything. Uh, another part for me that stands out with the music is, you know, there's, you hear the strings, you hear the horns, you hear all that stuff, but to go back and especially listening for it now, but you hear the African choirs that they brought in to be a part to make sure this wasn't just some, you know, American movie about Africa. They brought in the culture, they brought in people to put their voices in it. Now, sure, you know, Elton John's not African, but you know, he did his part in it, but it goes on, you know, the big scenes, as these scenes rise, even Circle of Life, a ton of, the, like, all the other music, even the, the score part to where it's Hans Zimmer, these African choirs come in, and it's just, you know, it can be light sometimes, but it gets huge, and it's not strings. All of a sudden, you realize, it's, no, that's just a giant choir of vocals all singing together and bringing that emotion into it. Uh, I think about the scene, you know, of Mufasa's death. Now, first off, that's a category near about in its own where... Still one of the biggest, you know, Disney deaths of all time. The first time they showed a villain actually committing the the murder on yeah. screen, basically. I mean, you didn't see Mufasa hit the ground, but you saw Scar, you know, shove him off. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you saw him die. You saw, you know, Scar's claws that are out as he's doing it. You see him hit the ground. You see Simba come up later, you know, trying like, "Come on, Dad, get up, Dad. Come on, Dad." Laying down there with him, you know, underneath his paw, hoping he's not. He's pulling on his ear the same way. He's pulling on his ear not just a few scenes before trying to wake him up. Mm-hmm. And it's just the heartbreak, even as a kid, but to go back and watch it now, like that's there's that's a scene with you know, the new remake that's coming out, you know, everybody's you know, talking about online like thanks James Earl Jones, because nobody else could have done this for what you're about to do. And you know, and for anybody else that doesn't really care about, you know, movies like this, you know, they probably look at it as, Okay, that's stupid, that's childish, it's silly, it's just a cartoon, blah, blah, blah. But like, no, that's that's something you're really invested in. And for kids, you know, if there's a whole group, I would say that, you know, Bambi's mom was a big ordeal for them. Well, Mufasa's dad or Mufasa's death was a huge ordeal for all of us. But the, the cool thing is the movie doesn't stay there. Like, it doesn't take you to that dark spot and leave you there. But it does take you there. And the same way as the wildebeest are coming over the canyon, coming down, you hear the African singers singing like it's a higher pitched note, but they're hitting it. And all of a sudden you got the horns of like all coming down around it. Like, it's an amazing thing. It really makes that whole scene. And it just, the artwork first, like I said a while ago, is amazing in this movie. Just all the way everything's drawn, it's done, it's amazing. But, you know, without the music, like it goes hand in hand. They're both equally important in this movie. Absolutely. Um, So talking about one thing that was bad, Mufasa's death, and I want to jump to something else that was kind of bad. 
Not necessarily the song, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. It's mm-hmm. a great song, mm-hmm. but I hate it. And here's why. Okay. In the video game, whether I can't remember if it was Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis, because I think I had one or the other. It's the one you got to jump on the giraffe's heads, right? When you have to jump on the giraffe's heads and the monkeys have to swing you, and mm-hmm. that song's playing in the background, mm-hmm. and I could that level was just so, not really difficult, just annoying. Mm. And every time I hear that song, I'm transported back to playing that and being so frustrated. Wait, I'm supposed to go to this monkey or that monkey, and how do I get to the end of the level? And I, I honestly don't remember ever getting past that level. I think it's the second level in the game. And I know I got past it. I feel like I was a little bit more adult Simba running through the like the jungle or the woods or whatever, but I totally get that. I remember for the longest time following off giraffe sets because you could only stay on their head for like a second before and, they tilt it back and you and were And they done. had such a small pixel area that you could stand yeah. on. I mean, it was ridiculously difficult for a child's video game that's based on a child's movie. But but it makes for a great game, though. It still was like one of my favorites from my childhood. It didn't make our list the other week, but uh, I think about, too, when you bring up that song, I was listening or watching something on YouTube the other day, and it was talking about whenever he jumps into that song right there, how all the colors of the scene changes. Yes. And I, I never paid attention to it. Like, I knew they changed, but I didn't think anything about it. But it's just amazing where all of a sudden everything goes to these brighter, like, reds and pinks and oranges. And to the point that it really relates well into the video game whenever you're playing that because all the colors are these bright colors on the video game. Uh, and they brought up to the point, it's kind of like, you know, it's almost a little bit like it's in you know, Simba's head or a little bit as he's singing this. But I think that's just too deep for me. Like, I think just overall, I just enjoy, you know, the artwork, the crazy designs, you know. Definitely. The giant, you know, uh, pyramid at the end of all the animals standing on top of each other, like. You don't think about that being serious. You just think about it as, you know, that was an awesome scene and that was an awesome song. No, definitely. You know, I remember being a kid and hated how Zazu wouldn't let him do their thing versus now being the adult where it's like, he's just doing his best. Like, you little jerk. You, you kind of, un- you understand Zazu's position. He's, you know, the king's uh, assistant or, mm-hmm. um, and he's just trying to make sure the king's son doesn't get killed. And and he's not even that, like, overbearing, like, no, watching it- as a person now. And you hate that because you're like, you know, to be sure my childhood wasn't wrong. Like, little kid had to be right. It was like, no, you were wrong. Yeah. Sorry, but, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you were wrong. You were. But good thing is, you know, found out as well when we were talking about this whole music thing, JTT didn't really sing. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's a big thing for my childhood where I thought he sang. I thought Steve from Full House sang as Aladdin. He didn't sing. No. There were all these other people that sing. And turns out these characters that you're like, oh, man, JTT sings. He, he, can, be- he can belt it he out. Killer hits out there. It turns out. Not nope, really. There's no. some other no-name guy. He sang all the stuff. One of the cool things about the uh, upcoming um, remake. Is Jonathan Taylor Thomas singing the song? No, but I, the actors they got to play, I think oh. they're all, you know, for the most part, repi- um, singing their songs and also so doing, doing the voice all. acting. I know Taman and Pumbaa's actors are also singing Hakuna, Hakuna Matata. So. good. Um, before we get to Hakuna Matana, Be Prepared was the villain song by it Scar, um, where he basically, the whole song, he's just kind of picking on the hyenas, calling them dumb mm-hmm. and stupid and slow. And, and they don't catch that. They like, don't really whatever. catch that. One thing I found that was interesting about the song, I kind of really enjoyed that song kind of in a darker mm-hmm. way. Um, Jeremy Irons, who voiced mm-hmm. Scar, actually sang most of this song. He didn't sing all of it, though. He did not. Uh, when he was uh, recording this section, he developed some vocal problems. Mm-hmm. And could not finish the song. So, uh, Jim Cummings, who voiced yep. the hyena Ed, he also uh, voices Winnie the Pooh, Winnie Tigger, the Pooh, yep. nearly half at least of the, your childhood he, cartoons. He is the one who finishes that song in the last verse. Mm-hmm. And if you listen really carefully, because I listened really carefully, you can kind of tell a difference, but he does a great job of 
doing his best Jeremy Irons impression as Scar. I'd never noticed at all, and so until I read that yesterday, whenever I was kind of making up my list, but I, even then I didn't go listen to it. I was like, well, he did a great job because I didn't catch it. But today it worked. I was listening to it in the background, and all of a sudden I caught it where I was like, that's Jim Cummins' voice. Like Ever since I watched, uh, I know that voice, like, you know, this documentary that's on Netflix all over the place now, like, amazing documentary, totally recommend watching it, but it's just all about, you know, the voice uh, – actors that are you know behind all of your favorite type things and jim cummings does so much with those type of things that you start to recognize these people whenever they play uh different movies or different things come up you start recognizing them and i was like wait it's jim cummings voice and i finally heard it today not listening for it but it just kind of subtly got in there but like you say it's an amazing job he's he also voiced don carnage in tailspin mm-hmm. which you he almost like a slight bit of that as he's doing this you know voice but it's an awesome thing, like you say. It's very subtle. You don't really realize it unless you know about it or are listening for it. So uh, he did a great job. I, I totally didn't know about that until yesterday. But Hakuna Matata was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's really not much more you can say about that song. It's just definitely the biggest hit of the of uh, for most kids, I believe. It mm-hmm. literally does mean no worries in Swahili. Um, just a fantastic song. Now, which is your favorite song out of the whole movie? Man. Um, so the next song we're going to talk, I think it really is Hakuna Matata. Okay. Um, but Can You Feel the Love Tonight? That's mine. Um, is definitely going to be in the top two. Um, I have a funny story about it, but first, um, you know, it was originally going to be a comedic, uh, duet between Papan and, uh, Pumbaa and Timon. Timon and Pumbaa. Timon? Yeah, Timon and Pumbaa. And, uh, Elton John kind of fought to change that a little bit. Well, good for him. Um, because, you know, and he ended up getting an, uh, was it an Oscar, Grammy? Uh, whatever. Some, he deserved both. Whatever it was. When I was in 12th grade high school senior, um, I, would, uh, I was hanging out with our friend, Chris Rode. Mm-hmm. He uh, made it in. Again. There, there's our shout out to you this week, Chris. Uh, we were hanging out at another friend's house, and Chris was just this awesome piano player, and he could play this song. So oh, okay. I asked he him never play, played it for me. You know, he played it, and, we, and I, I'd sing along with it. And like, it was the Elton John, though, the, origin, like, mm-hmm. the one that was written for him, not the one in the movie. Mm-hmm. So you talked about Kings and Vagabonds and... Like, none of that stuff's mentioned in the movie. Yeah. But uh, whenever I think of that song, I'll think about to the summer of 2004, where Chris is playing this piano in one of our friend's house, and I'm singing, Can you feel the love tonight? You're talking about singing. Like, I remember being seven-year-old and just thinking, like, man, that's that's love right there. Like, oh, absolutely. Them two, of course, you know, too, like, the most explicit they got was a little bit of a neck rub. You know, Nala does give him, like, some eyes at the some eyes. point. <laughs> but I remember that hitting me, you know, the same way. Uh, in Robin Hood, there's a scene with uh, Maid Marian and Robin Hood. You know, where they share a love song as well. Uh, I think of Aladdin with the Whole New World. How they Whole New World that. is probably the only one that kind of gets the, close yeah. to this one in terms of love songs. And I'd say movies. it's probably right up there, even with me. It's real close to both of those. But uh, I remember that and thinking, like, man, I can't wait because evidently at some point I'm gonna have a girlfriend and we're gonna sing. Uh, Disney, you know, <laughs> I did like I would think about these things. I would daydream about you know girls, you know, from my yearbook or my class or whatever, and being like, "This is you know how it's going to be." Disney movies, you know, had me thinking that my relationships were going to be a lot more musical than they ever have been. Uh, none of that ever worked out. I've never really sang a love song. I think anybody. that's the reason I'm still looking is because I'm waiting for someone to find their musical side because I feel like my life should be a musical. Well, you do bust out in song all the time. I think all that would be time. awesome if we're like out at a coffee shop and all of a sudden you bust into a song and some lady someone across the room finishes the song. Finishes you know? it. That's the one. It's like, get her a hot chocolate. Lady, you get over here. I think that would be perfect. I well, think that's how you're going to find the one. Well, we gotta you just start busting into song from now on every time shops. you go. Anywhere yes. you go, Anywhere just start you busting out singing. 
Like, why is that man singing in the bathroom? He's not going to find anyone here. But it's like, well, uh, you never know. So, bottom line about the music, uh, just the best Disney soundtrack. It is. I opinion. will say... All five songs are bangers, for sure. There was only one thing. I was listening multiple times, like I said this week, but I was listening to Circle of Life. It's the first song on the soundtrack. I was listening to that. And I was singing along. I was like, man, why do I keep singing the words wrong? Because, like, I was singing, but I was always... I was like, Circle of Life, got it. Second line... Was wrong every time. It's uh, what's the actual line uh, in the beginning? And it moves us all. And it moves us all. Yeah. And I kept singing, "Circle of Life is a wheel of fortune," as in fortune. And I was like, maybe just as a kid, I was like, you know, if wheel of fortune's on TV, why am I singing this all the time? Turns out there were multiple versions, and Elton John's version actually does sing "Circle of Life, Wheel of Fortune." Uh, I went. I listened to it literally on my way here to record today. I was like, man, how did I keep getting the song wrong? And all of a sudden, after playing the first one, the Elton John version came on. And I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was saying Elton John composed it. A different guy wrote it. But Elton John ended up releasing his own version of it uh, that had different lyrics to it. And so his ended up, I think, winning possibly something too. But I think his version is a version that's later on in the movie or during the credits or something. Like, it is there as well. And so, But the lyrics are different in that. And I feel like they said that his may have been the first version or something like that, and then the actual right. version in the movie that they did in the intro was different. But the uh, the translation for some of those for the Swahili language there, I don't have it uh, verbatim in front of me, but I know it translates to like he's coming, he's a lion, the lion, the you know lion's mm-hmm. coming, something along those lines. He's so, coming, the yeah, lion, the lion the on the way. It's so, will of fortune. Will of fortune. Mm-hmm. Are we ever going to talk about that on the podcast? Maybe. Maybe we'll just throw all those in there. I'll, like, you know, Price is fa- Right, Jeopardy, Will of Fortune. Shows. Yeah. Just throw them in there. I think that'd be good. All right. So, the next section we have here is memorable lines or favorite lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one that's not even really a line, but it's just something I noticed when I was watching it this morning. I had Did to you say a favorite line or lion? Uh, line, not lion. Oh. But it's funny you mentioned that because something I noticed when rewatching it was. It was so pun heavy in the it beginning. Is. It's awesome. When Zazu is giving the morning report, he has the buzz from the bees. The baboons are going ape. The leopards are in a bit of a spot. The cheetahs will never prosper. I told the elephants to forget it, but they won't. <laughs> we have news from the underground. Mm-hmm. Um, the hyenas are like, we'll have whatever's lying around. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have a cub sandwich, which. I just found out a couple of days ago that a club sandwich means chicken and lettuce under bacon, and I had no idea that's what it meant. I just thought it was called the club sandwich because that's what it was. I totally didn't know that. So, um, yeah, that's not really a particular line, just very pun heavy, which, you know, I'm very pun heavy sometimes. So, uh, You were talking about that, and it made me think about how you said the underground. It made me think about the gopher that pops up and reports yeah. to Zazu. That was actually Jim Cummings as well. Oh, okay. So that's what I was thinking about Jim Cummings a while ago. But yeah, he's the news from the underground, as he is Jim Cummings, the gopher. The and he's literally from coming the from the underground. With news. Yes. Uh, so is that your favorite lines, or you're just throwing those in I'm there as I'm just throwing those ones? in there as fun ones. I got two that are, my favorite lines are not really um, like serious, super mm-hmm. like, they're just funny to me. Sure. Um, so I'll open up with my first one. Go for it. Uh, this is when Taman meets... I'm going to call him Tamon. I'm calling him Tamon. You call him whatever you we'll want. We'll put a poll out. Which, how do you pronounce that man's name? You call him whatever you want. When he meets Nala mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Simba's you know, giving all the introductions. And he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me get this straight. She knows you. 
you know her, but she wants to eat him. And everybody's okay with this? Did I miss something? That's very good. I, I love it. I love that line. He does a, great, a lot of great lines like that. And I mean, I feel like another awesome part of it is there's so many characters in this movie that you really could have gotten lost watching it. It could have been very boring if honestly everybody was the same, but there's such a wide variety of characters playing different animals that it really makes this movie. And he's one of them, especially. Uh, for mine, I feel like mine are probably a little bit more serious, but the first one is not as so much serious, but it's uh, follow Rafiki. He knows the way. I can't I say, do enjoy that. I quote you'll, that all the time. Follow Rafiki. He knows the way. I feel like I've quoted that all the time. Like if you're going somewhere and it's just like whatever, it's like follow Rafiki. He knows the way. Or follow Eric. He knows the way. Like I'll just yeah. throw it out there all the time. So I feel like that's one that stuck with me that you just toss out without thinking about it all the time. Oh, I love it. Love it for sure. My, uh, my last one is something I quote very often. Okay. Um, and I even I tell the kids that I teach this all the time. Sometimes you got to put your behind in the past. Oh, no, excuse <laughs> me. Sorry. You've got to put your past behind you. Yes. It's good advice either way. Mm-hmm. But I like the first version better. you got to put your behind in the past. Yeah. No, that's not what it is. got to put your past behind you. Mm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Mine actually comes right along with that. It's, ah, uh, uh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly is a great lesson. Uh, as an adult that is 32 years old now, it's very easy to look back in younger years and be like, those were the good times, you know, life's just downhill from now. Uh, you know, that's a bad attitude to live with, but a lot of times it's not even a negative attitude so much as you just kind of get caught up in memories of great times with great people. And it's really easy to get focused on those and not so much think about all the opportunities you have now that you didn't have then. Um, or even just the new opportunities you have now to learn and grow and continue to have great times in your life. Um, I think it's something you can learn from. It's something, you know, you look into your past, remember it and learn from it, but don't go and just sit there and live in it and wallow in it and think of your mistakes that you've made so much and wallow in it and let that control your life as you're moving forward. Uh, So I think that's just an awesome line for me. That whole scene is great for me. Uh, We skipped a little while ago, but what's your favorite scene out of this movie? Oh, man. so If you had to pick one. Okay, so the the last scene when they're all gathering to fight the Mm -hmm. hyenas and Scar, um, I love Taman... being live bait, him and Pumbaa, uh, being live bait and, you know, mm-hmm. dressing in drag and do the hula. I like Rafiki going in and doing his kung fu and yes. just all that stuff when all the characters, you know, just come together for that big battle at the end. I love it. Uh, but that would probably be my runner-up. Um, you know, that one comes to mind, but I think my favorite scene is just when between, in the middle of Hakuna Matata, when they're just kind of moving their heads from side to side and you mm-hmm. see Simba grow up, that automatically just comes to mind as just, you, you know, the sun sets on Simba as a uh, as a cub, and then, you know, he comes up, you know, as him being an adult. What's well, a great scene is they're walking across the log, and you literally see him transform. Like, it's an amazing way, you know, it's a montage, and it's a great montage. Uh, maybe Rocky's the only one that's done montages better, but it's an amazing scene, like, between, like, you're talking about with that, with the sun behind him, with the moon behind him, and that being the light and the reflection of him changing and growing. Definitely. Uh, I like that you mentioned that other scene. That's, that's probably my second runner-up, too. I remember Mufasa going all straight up ninja on all the hyenas was a big ordeal for me. Rafiki. Sorry, Rafiki. Not Mufasa. Not Mufasa. Rafiki. He's, he came back from the dead. He's like, you we know what? Zombie Mufasa. <laughs> zombie. Would have been a much different movie. Zombie ninja Mufasa at this point. <laughs> uh, somebody draw out their draw that. We need to make that for the what the what shirts. Zombie ninja Mufasa, please. Uh, Still voiced by James Earl Jones. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, he'll be. He'll have a beast in the backyard, you know, collecting baseballs as well. Yes. Uh, 
But yes, Rafiki going straight Ninja and all them. I remember thinking about that because back then, I'm seven years old. My life revolved around Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. So you've got to think, Ninja anything was huge for me. Uh, I didn't ever take ninja, uh, karate classes or anything like that, but I pretended enough to believe I knew something about it. You know, I played enough in my room, but just to see all of a sudden him being this kind of old man that you didn't really take serious, going crazy, you know, his own version of a bow staff and going nuts on them. I loved it. Like, that was huge for me. But um, I want to say favorite scene, though, that does take second place. My favorite is probably when Simba's talking to Mufasa, like, in the stars. The whole scene, first off, with Rafiki leading him to that, leading him and showing him and then saying, you know, he is alive. He lives inside of you. Uh, but then just that whole scene, I was thinking about it yesterday. Somebody walked in my office and I like, what you look at? It? And I was like, well, I'm looking at Disney tattoos. It's like, because I think it would be really cool to have Mufasa, like, up in the sky, like, that whole... Out, you know, outer space type looking thing, but then having with the stars and Mufasa's like thing there. Maybe I'll get that tattooed at some point. I thought that was cool though, but uh, but just that whole scene is very inspirational. You know, I talked about it in the you know Boy Meets World and a lot of other stuff. You know, I'm an emotional person sometimes, but just stuff like that really hits me and sticks with me in these movies. You know, between that scene and the scene earlier when Simba was younger, mm-hmm. um, after he just got rescued from the elephant graveyard, and they're mm-hmm. talking about the um, the great kings of the past and the mm-hmm. laying stars, and Mufasa's explaining, you know, I'm only brave when I have to be. Yep. You know, I was scared today because I thought I might lose you. Um, really, really just set up... Um, how important like a father's love is for their children. For sure. and you saw that even through the cartoon lions, mm-hmm. how deep that father's love is for his child. And um, I, I almost teared up watching it today. I think that's another great scene. That's probably really there is. in the top three, top two. It is. And the, another scene that really hits me too, is the ending of the movie towards it where they've won and, but everything's on fire. Everything's been destroyed, but all of a sudden here comes the rain. And then with that, here comes that same music again, building back up, the African choirs getting louder, the higher pitches, everything just getting bigger and bigger. And you see the restoration happening. Like after all this hard stuff has happened, it's another emotional moment where the rain's coming down, restoring this, you know, this great land that they've had that's been ruined by Scar and the hyenas. And then all of a sudden now they're getting that transformation. It's a new start with Simba being the king now. Um, And then just all that, like it's, it's a heavy hitter in that spot, but. Uh, the only other thing I did note is about the movie before we jump to our next thing is there was another release in 2011. Yeah, I saw that. It um, was 3D. I, I never saw the other release, but I saw they replaced a scene early in the movie instead of um, like Zazu giving the more important. It's actually a, an added song that was from the musical. Mm. Um, see, I went and saw it, and I don't remember. Okay, so I've never seen the musical. I want to see the musical. I want, you want to hear a, a horrible thing that I regret now? Sure. Uh, senior trip. Our senior, my class, we went to New York for our senior trip. Because you were very lucky. We went to Orlando. We were very lucky, but also we were not the smartest and safest students, so now they have not been allowed to go back to New York since Th- our this trip. This is true. But uh, one of the nights that we were there, we went and saw Lion King on Broadway. It was an amazing thing. I was so excited. I got in there. I'm a six-foot-two dude. I'm about 250 pounds. I probably was around 200, 250 then, somewhere in between. Uh, the seats that we were in were very scrunched. I remember, like, I felt like my knees were in my chest, like, where it was so tight, and it was super hot because we had to wear suits because, you know, this was a nice thing. You yeah, wanted to look the theater. nice. You have to look nice Yes, there. you have to look nice. Uh, we made it about through the first scene, and Joey Mitchell, sitting beside me, was sick. And Joey said, I need to go back to the hotel. And the teacher looked at him and said, no, you can't go to the hotel by yourself. Like, you got to go. 
Well, me being super hot, scrunched up, said, I'll go back with him. So me and Joey Mitchell left The Lion King, Broadway play, at probably 10-ish o'clock at night in New York City and walked back to our hotel room as two high school seniors. Wow. So, you know, first off, not safe. But secondly, you missed I hate that Lion and regret King. that. It was an amazing start, but really the seats were super uncomfortable and I was stupid hot. And I want to say it was one of those things where we've been gone all day nonstop, so I was going to fall asleep no matter what. But I would love to see it. Um, that's top of the list for me. I want to see when it comes through. It usually comes through uh, every couple of years here. Well, we, need to look for it. we definitely need to look for it. Because I want to go. Event. I think uh, our heel producer Ricky would go too. He would. Uh, 3D, though, I did go and see it. Personally, for me, 3D movies don't work great for me. I don't know if there's something up with my eyes or whatever. But most of the time I go and see them, I either leave with a headache or just like I don't get the full effect that a lot of people do. So it was cool seeing it and hearing all the music and everything again in the theater again in 2011. But I don't really remember any of the great features or anything that was much better versus just really enjoying the original movie. So uh, I think next is our fun facts and trivia. All right, so I have one, and this is just a fun, fun one. Zazu mentions in the, early in the movie that Scar would make a very handsome throw rug. He would. Well, it turns out he did make a very handsome throw rug because he shows up in Hercules, Hercules. as a throw rug. I totally didn't even put the connection together until I was listening the other day to something else and it mentioned that or showed it. And I was like, man, I completely like, I remember seeing Scar there, but I didn't even think about the fact of what Zazu said about being him a great, or him being a great. I never put it together until just now, or until I was Mm -hmm. doing the research. And I was like, wait a minute, he is a throw. I remember seeing him in the movie. Wow. Okay, cool. To put it together. Uh, One for me, it goes back to that whole art side of things where I really enjoyed and talked about that. The wildebeest scene that takes place took three years to make. Um, it was one of those first type things that they had used ever. It was CGI or CG. Uh, it took the scene itself is only about six minutes long, but it took three years to create that scene of all the wildebeest running down because they didn't just do a giant pack of wildebeest. Each one was based on an individual wildebeest that came down. They said without the, you know, it took three years to come up with the software to make to be able to happen because without it, they said that literally the with the amount of wildebeest running down, they literally just ran through each other. You wouldn't have, wow. like, they wouldn't have ran their individual paths and done their thing. They would have just ran through each other. That's crazy, um, just but, to think about that, the technology there. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, especially with animated movies with hand-drawn ones. You know, movies took forever because it takes a long time to literally draw one, you know, one little blip at a time. But three years for six minutes, but I would say it's some of the best Absolutely six minutes of the movie. Absolutely worth so, it. 100%. All right, so rumor has it Rumors. that Simba's main as an adult, mm-hmm. was based on Bon Jovi's hair. I could see that. He did have some amazing hair. Like, he's in the water that one time, sings, shakes it off, and it falls right into place. Like, yes. how awesome would that be? I think everybody wishes that they could have something simple as that, especially a lot of ladies or guys that spend a ton of time in the mornings. You know, I just get out of the shower and run my hands through mine and just head out. But there's a lot more work that goes in for a lot of other people. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Another one, uh, Tim Hutchinson, he, he commented on earlier. Uh, well, he, I say he commented earlier. He commented on Facebook for us today or on Instagram, s- Instagram, some sort of social media. Tim Hutchinson on the gram, he came in and was talking about how he always thought that The Lion King was the first uh, pr- you know, Disney-created animated feature instead of, or Disney original, I guess you'd say, whereas other movies in the past have been based on you know, books or other things. But uh, he had just recently found out, you know, that it was based off of Hamlet. Well, I did some research. You did some research. You know, there's a lot of things about 
maybe it's loosely based on this, and it is loosely based on Hamlet. Like that's an obvious thing there, but it is as far as Disney goes. They were that was the first film that they sat down and created themselves, and didn't just take something that was fully written and then completely. Yeah, it was. It, well, it wasn't an ad- adaptation from an already written work. It was based on Hamlet or loosely um, inspired by Hamlet, is the way mm-hmm. I'd put it, um, but not com- like a complete retelling of Hamlet. Um, although you know, I wonder if you know, let's say Shakespeare hypothetically ever comes back to life and he sees this movie. I wonder if he's thinking, man, I could have, no one told me I could use lions. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, in, very interesting fact. Um, Disney, Disney. Is, is accused of ripping off a Japanese anime called Kimba the White Lion in their mm-hmm. creation of this movie. Um, I don't know much about the know. anime world, um, but Matthew Broderick even went so far to say that he thought he was playing Kimba oh, the I White Lion because he remembers seeing the anime when he was younger. Um, Disney has denied this. They just merely said it's a coincidence. It could um, be. Um, I think they got sued or there was some kind of lawsuit, at, you know, because everyone sues Disney for something, I'm sure. Well, if not, Disney's going to um, sue you. So, well, I, mean. I, I know Disney was sued for their uh, portrayal of the uh, hyenas. They were. Um, some guy, as far as I see hyenas, of, I think they're bad people, too. The famination of character. Some uh, researcher said this is not how hyenas actually act. Mm-hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, that's how they act. Absolutely. Except maybe not Ed. Like, I get it. He's not so crazy all the time. But I just, you know, generally, I just think hyenas is people waiting to kill other people, you know. If I saw it, I'd get scared of it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, another one that was cool for me, goes back to the artwork side of things, is Simba and Scar were created on opposite sides of the U.S. They're not created, but drawn. Uh, let's see. It's uh, Scar's lead animator was working from Florida Studios, and Simba's lead animator was working in California. So there's even scenes where the two are together, but they're being drawn completely across the USA. So wow. you've got Simba drawing on the West Coast, Scar being drawn on the East Coast, I don't know if it's just because, you know, we got some tough stuff going on, on the East Coast, you know, but they were drawing him and you're having to try to put these two scenes together on opposite sides of the world. And you got to think there wasn't the way the Internet is now. Like, it definitely wasn't like that then. Like, it was a lot rougher. I'm sure there's a lot of trips back and forth working on things uh, to get that together. I Man, I know people that do comic books and stuff now, you know, they can throw a sketch up, throw it to somebody through an email. They do the color and send it back. And there's a lot of stuff that can be done that way now. But back then, that was that's a big have to go back and forth for two huge characters of the movie. Oh, definitely. Um, I've got two more things. One of them is the names of the characters in the movies all translate to something either in Swahili or some other language. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna throw some out there and I'm gonna see if you know them. And I know you put some notes in there, so no looking at your notes. Well, if I don't look at my notes, I won't know. Oh well, I was gonna let you guess. Well. Okay. Well, anyway. I'm looked, so, I've already looked. Well, Sim- okay. Well, so what does Simba mean? Lion. Okay, that's lion in Swahili. Nala means gift. See, I didn't have that one. And that's also in Swahili. Uh, Mufasa. Mufasa. Mufasa means king, and that's not in Swahili. That's uh, originated from Manazoto origins. Okay. Um, Timon. Did Could I say, be. Did I say that's it how right? I say Timon. It it means respect, and it's from Greek origins. Hmm. Okay. So he hung out with Hercules. Yes, he did. Pumba, mm. you know what Pumba stands for? Large pig. Large pig. See, no, I'm I, kidding. I have foolish. Um, slow witted is what slow I. Slow witted. Slow witted. Um, Here, ladies and gentlemen, don't make fun of your friends. Call me names. Just call him slow witted. Or Pumba. Or Pumba. Rafiki means friend. In follow him. He knows. Fo- the follow way. Rafiki. He knows the way. Mm-hmm. And then Zazu means movement, and it's traditionally a Hebrew's uh, Hebrew girl's name. Okay. And I think they named him Zazu because as the bird who's, you know, moving. watching over, the, he's always moving. That's so. true. As we're talking about Zazu, 
uh, his actor or the person that knew him, Rowan Atkinson. Mr. Bean. He did. Yes, Mr. Bean. Um, he didn't know the words to It's a Small World. He had never seen that. He didn't know It's a Small World. So he literally, for that little scene where he's trapped in the cage and starts singing It's a Small World and Scar yells at him to shut up, he had to look up the song and learn the song before he could sing that part. Versus most people, no matter if you've been to Disney World or not or Disneyland or whatever, you know It's a Small World. I love the ride, especially as a kid. It just came back to me. Like, you know, my parents always saw my sister got me like a mug or something from there, uh, a placemat type thing. But uh, I always liked it. But yeah, he had no clue the words. You know, it's just something so simple he had to go and actually learn. So uh, the last thing I have, uh, do you remember the scene towards the end of the movie where um, Timon is running away from the hyenas and he mm-hmm. goes into Zazu's like, let me out, let me out. And Timon's like, let me in, let me in. Yeah, yeah. And then Pumbaa shows up behind him and mm-hmm. the hyenas are like, hey, who's the pig? And he's like, mm. what'd you call me? And Timon's like, you shouldn't have done that. And he's like, they call me Mr. Pig. That's actually a reference to the movie In the Heat of the Night uh, okay. that came out in 1967. Uh, Sidney Poitier's character uh, says, they call me Mr. Tibbs. Totally didn't um, know that. I didn't know that. I've never seen that movie. I mean, 1967, of course I haven't. But they reference it in one of my favorite shows, Psych, ah. um, several times where uh, the character Gus is making, they call me Mr. And then he stops. Mm-hmm. You know? But that's a reference to that movie. I didn't know that as a child. I just thought it was a funny line. Yep, they call him Mr. Pig, and he's over there kicking butt. And, um, so that's my last that's little a great line, thing though. of fact and trivia. So The last one I have goes back to even more art stuff again. Uh, but it says The Lion King was actually made by B-Team. Uh, of the Disney animators since the A-Team had been elected to focus their stuff on Pocahontas. So they, I, w- I want to get this clear. Yeah. I, I know I know the uh, the reference or the you know the information you're trying to pass on, but when I hear you say the B-Team, I'm thinking of a team of bees. And when no. I hear the A-Team, I'm thinking Mr. T showed up. I'm sure they were busy as bees, but I don't think they could have gotten the artwork done as quick. I don't know. They're good workers. But, you know, so, so it's even better now to think that basically Mr. They're, G was they're working backup, on Pocahontas. Their backup team worked on The Lion King, and yes. they thought Pocahontas was... They said that it was going to be more successful, so wow. they sent the 18 So they sent their, their starting lineup, basically. Now all I can think about, though, is Mr. T singing, like, Color of the Wind. I pity the fool who doesn't color, you know, appreciate paint the colors with, of the wind. Paint with all the colors of the wind. I pity the fool. <laughs> I mean, that's just... That, I'm gonna that, think that, about that. That's like, a visual that's, that we, that's stuck in my head now. Like, you know, he's got his hair all done up. You know, hanging out with a raccoon and just singing songs. You know, Pocahontas was a good movie. We'll, it was. We'll, we'll it was talk a great about movie. it uh, come Thanksgiving time, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy to think that they thought The Lion King wasn't going to be as big of a hit when it, it ended up being until Frozen came out, like the most animated um, movie at the box office to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bigger biggest box office. So. Well, still to this day, Lion King is still the highest grossing hand-drawn animated yeah. picture of all time. So Insane. That's still big. Uh, let's get down to our unanswered questions. And uh, just to throw this out there, any of our unanswered questions come from not, you know, we're not taking any other Lion King movies into, into I the I found question. out there was a Lion King 3 today. Yeah. And I've never seen that. I saw the, the second one. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in two and a half. Uh, or one and a half. One and a half. One and a half. Yeah. I never saw one and a half. I didn't never saw uh, the Lion King three. I'd never yeah. seen. It. I didn't so, know it existed till this. So we're and, not taking any and of Eric's that. And Eric's not watched the Lion Guard either. I'm assuming the new Disney or Lion King cartoon Lion that's on Disney Guard. Channel. No, Simba's I have not. the dad, and yeah, no, hadn't done that either. So yeah, I was talking with Michael Thompson uh, at work the other day, and he was talking about how his daughter watches the Lion Guard, and she loves the Lion King, loves the Lion Guard, and he talks about how she'll walk up and point to uh, Simba's son and constantly just call him Simba because she just thinks. Same from the movie, same from there. 
uh, as we're talking about Michael Thompson, uh, he, he posted on Twitter today, but he also came in my office and talked to me about it the other day. Uh, something he has as an unanswered question. He wants to know, is Scar really dead? Yes. Are you sure? 100%. How I'm do you know? I'm quoting Hunter Batten, who responded to his uh, question on Twitter. Um, he's dead. We didn't see him dead. We just so saw we, him we, fall and we saw hyenas jump on him. But that's literally all we saw. Well, if he's alive, then I guess he's alive. But I'm pretty sure he's dead. I mean, technically, Marvel owns Disney now. So I don't know if we call you know The Lion King a superhero movie or not. But typically in superhero movies, if you don't see him die... They're not dead. And even sometimes... And even then, it's 50-50. But uh, well, we saw Mufasa straight up's dead. We know he's dead. Simba went and like, laid with him. Know he's dead. Scar? He may be out there. I'm assuming he's dead. I am too. But, but I mean, something to think well, about. It's speaking possible. Of, speaking of Scar, my first unanswered question actually comes from something I asked on Facebook over a decade ago. Okay. What was Scar's name before he got that's the true. scar. Or was he born with that scar? Or was he born with the scar and his parents were like, we'll just call you Scar. Maybe that's or why ha- he hates or Mufasa. Or how did he get the scar? Maybe he hates <laughs> Mufasa. Like he come out and they were like, oh, we love this one so much. And Mufasa like scratched him in the face and it's like, how about now? And they're like, okay, yeah, this one's Scar. This one's Mufasa as you don't mess with Mufasa. Well, that answers another one of my unanswered questions. Why are Scar and Mufasa estranged? I mean, that's it. I'm pretty so sure. That, 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 I like that backstory. That's Cubs. canon now. They came out gentlemen. as Cubs. Yep. Mufasa scratched up Scar, and then his parents hadn't paid no mind to him yet, but then they're like, oh, that's Scar, and you as Mufasa, as in you do not mess with Mufasa. Okay, what do you got? Can that be on a shirt, too? Oh, man, I'm really liking this now. <laughs> you First, do not mess with Mufasa. We've got... Zombie Ninja Mufasa yep. with just a big line over top that says, don't mess with Mufasa. I think it'll sell like hotcakes, but... I would buy at least four. If we had the copyright to Mufasa, I'm sure we would uh, sell very well, well. maybe we have the copyright to Zombie Mufasa. We'll have to talk with our lawyers and... and Where's Ricky at when you need him? Well, yeah, does Ricky double as our lawyer as well as our heel producer? He's an older person that I would turn to and say, I'm sued. <laughs> what do I need to do? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> so that's what I would do. So um, what what do you have? What what my are, next one is uh, you know I know if you went and watched some movies you might have no but if, without that do Timon and Pumbaa stay there at Pride Rock forever or did they go back to where they came from? It, you're left with the assumption that they're there because uh, they're there kind of with the whole redoing everything with the new cub that Simba has and everything. But who knows? Who knows? I don't know what the grubs like at Pride Rock versus. Yeah, you know, they might not have many grubs at Pride Rock because they have so many more animals there who might be eating the grubs at Pride true. Rock. And that's another great line. I've never seen bugs look better tasting than in this movie. They're rustling up some grub. And, and they look appealing. They do. <laughs> There's one you know, in particular that you kind of squeezes on whatever. I'm like, man, I don't want to eat any bugs. But if I did, I'd want that one. Absolutely. So here's one of my questions. Okay. The lions are the rulers of Pride Rock. Mm-hmm. We see all the animals coming to the ceremony where Simba's presented. Mm-hmm. And they're all celebrating. That's true. Now, some of these animals are the lion's prey. Why are they celebrating the fact that there's another mouth that's going to feed on them? Circle of life. you got to show respect. My other question is, do they willingly give themselves up as food? I, mean, I don't think so. I think it's just the circle of life where they take off running. That's part so, of so it. So you, you tell your youngs, like, one day that lion's going to eat you. Well, you probably don't. You're just like, hey, we're just going to live our life the best we can and just see what happens. Because the same way, you know, I'm not going, I don't intend to think I'm going to get eaten by a lion, but... If I was left to roam in a room with a lion, I'd probably get eaten. But you wouldn't celebrate the birth of another lion that you know is likely going to target you as a meal. All I'm saying, circle of life's playing in the background. Beautiful sunrise. Are you not going to be cheering? 
Not if I know that may likely eat me. These I mean, lions are up on a cliff. You've got these animals that are just down. It's probably like, what's going on here? What are we all doing here? Who's that singing in the background? What's that happening over there? Circle of life, wheel of fortune. What in the world is this? They're just cheering because the guy next to them is cheering. They don't have any idea. Like, what's that monkey holding up up there? They can't see what's going on. That rock's so much higher. I don't even know what the vision qualities you know, of these, the prey animals are. They may not be able to see more than three feet. They may just be hanging. That's just where we normally hang out during the day. Yeah. Where, like, where they, where what are you doing? guys doing What here? are the elephants oh, doing here? <laughs> it makes me think about one time at work, there was you know, like a big ordeal going on. And I looked and like there was our cleaning lady and she was right up in the middle of it. And I talked to her later and she said, yes, I thought I was about to get fired. She said, everybody was gathering around and getting loud. And I came up because I thought they were handing out prizes or something. And turns out they were having, they were all upset. So I got out of there as quick as I could. Maybe that's what was happening there. They just showed up to enjoy the party and then didn't realize what's happening. Okay. Fair they enough. realized it's a cub and they said, oh, we're getting out of here now. Fair enough. Maybe that happened. Fair enough. Uh, the, my, my next one or two is just one thing you know, that have been talked about since the movie came out. You know, is this really what this is based on? Is this really what's going on? Uh, there's a moment whenever he's talking, you know, out there, you know, Simba's out there in the the dark with the stars and everything else, and it talks about how the dust flies up, and it says the letters S-E-X up in the, the from the dust. That's what people say. That's what they say. I think it was S-F-X, which was a nod to the special effects that they were using. It was. And so there's been, I remember, like, finding that out probably around the same time I found out about, you know, the Wizard of Oz and there being somebody hanging in the background, whatever, all of a sudden realizing there's things that go on in movies that you didn't realize go on in movies. And so you try to start looking up with the, you know, the ancient age of the internet, trying to find out things like that. I think that was one. And I'll throw this one in there just because it's the same thing. But there's lots of talk about how the whole be prepared scene being similar to how Nazis are and how Scar's leading these, you know, pretty much Chinese that are going along with anything he's saying a lot the same way with Hitler and the Nazis and was that based off of that or was it not? You know, what what what's your call on that? If that's the case, I mean, wow! I mean, yeah, way to go, super dark there, Disney. But I gotta say too, it's not at least they're, they're not like painting a pretty picture for it. Like they're showing that it's evil, that it's not good. Yeah, how much more evil is it now that they're literally Nazi hyenas? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So my last question, maybe that's why they got sued for the whole Nazi maybe, for the hyenas. Maybe uh, my last question was, how long was Simba gone? From the Pride Lands, and you know, I did a little research. Um, it typically takes a, a young cub to uh, mature into an adult cub mm-hmm. about four years. Okay, um, was how was he gone for four years longer? Because um, in that time, we see that the ecosystem around Pride Rock is just dead because um, hyenas have overpopulated the, the place, and there's nothing mm-hmm. to eat, and they've the herds have moved on. And uh, how long was Simba gone for it to really get that bad? I don't know if it was. You know, because for me, I would look at based on my golden retriever. Like, Grizzly, he went from being a tiny little puppy or cub, from what Sim looks like, to being a full-grown dog, what he looks like, within, like, eight months. Less than a year. Yeah. And so, I would think, you know, the animal would probably grow, but as far as the head knowledge is fully being a fully-grown adult, you know, maybe that takes four years for a line. But, you know, who says that that's technically what Sim is at that point? You know, we've seen him come from cub to grown-up overnight, you know, with that little montage scene, but... He may still just be, you know, a child in an adult's body because he's still having to be convinced to go back and protect, you know, and to claim what's his and do what's right. So I don't know, but uh, I think that was that was most of our questions. Let's head out. We had a few little comments and stuff on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Eric, if you'll throw right, that so, out. So uh, from Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. remember you can find us on Twitter at WCW underscore media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hunter uh, at Hunter B two thousand three. Hunter Batten. He uh, commented the original Lion King debuted when I was eight years old. And it's the first movie I remember caring about. 
Mom bought the soundtrack on cassette tape. Elton, uh, Elton John's songs were on the B-side. So we'd listen to all the songs a hundred times before going into the film for the first time. When it came out on VHS, I watched it constantly, wincing every time Mufasa falls into the gorge. I collected all the Burger King toys and trading cards and even made a paper mache pride rock with a Folgers can as the base structure. And to this day, it stands above all others. The remake seems to be a cash grab full of talented individuals, but I'm not mad they did it. I can always watch the original if I want to see non-photorealistic animal faces that can actually emote. My kids might like this version more than the original. Who knows? That's awesome. I love the fact, too, you mentioned like that he created a Pride Rock. That makes me think a lot about our childhood, too. And like Toys didn't necessarily... They did have Lion King toys, but they didn't have a Pride Rock. At least not that I remember. But how creative that you would be to make something like that. Uh, I remember hanging out with Hunter one time, and I remember on his shelf, you know, he was probably high school age, somewhere in there. And I remember on his dresser, he had all of his Ninja Turtles, like the layer, still set up up there. And I remember thinking that was the coolest thing because I remember, you know, as a child, you hit, hit this age where it's not cool to play with toys anymore. Where well, here, Hunter had his all on display. And it really inspired me, like, especially even now, I've still got stuff on display or set up now at my house. And, you know, we'll talk back and forth every once in a while. Well, he's got Ninja Turtles stuff still set up now and he's, you know, married with children and everything else too. So, I don't know, that was cool that stood out uh, to me and makes me think about things with that. Uh I don't remember having the cassette tape, but I, you know, I remember you did. You mentioned that, and I just think that's awesome. Like all that hits, we're all around that same age together, and I think that's a great description of just loving something so much that you wanted to have every bit of it that you possibly could, whether that be cereal toys or Burger King toys or whatever. Like you just wanted everything you could for it. Now, several people uh, responded to your uh, personal Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We're working on a Facebook page. We'll yep. probably get it out at some point in the next week or so. Sure. Because um, we have some people who don't have Instagram, Twitter, mm-hmm. whatever, um, whatever. So we want to have a way for, the, for us to contact you or for you to get in touch with us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, several people responded, Hakuna Matata, um, just that one word. Just love the uh, scene in that front. Casey Starr posted a Cassie. photo. Is it Cassie? Could be. It says Casey. Her last name or, is Starling. It says Cassie. Never mind. Cassie Starr. <laughs> yeah, so, mm-hmm. uh, sorry. Um, she posts a photo with uh, Mufasa and Simba as a cub, uh, and it just says, look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down from, uh, on us from those stars. So whenever you feel alone, just remember that those kings will always be there to guide you, and so will I. Awesome scene. We talked about a little, about, yep. a little bit about that earlier. Uh, thank you guys for joining in, for uh, getting out there, posting on the social media, responding to the questions. Uh, one last thing before we close out the episode. New movie comes out tomorrow night. Remake of this very movie, Lion King. What what you thinking 25 about? Twenty five years later, I, I've heard some bad reviews. But I, here's nah. the thing: I heard bad reviews about the Aladdin remake, and I mm. loved it. True. Um, I can't wait to see it. I can't, can't wait. wait. To be king. I mean, honestly, I don't care how good, bad, whatever. I just want to be in there and to experience it once again. Um, I'm looking forward to it, mm. even if it's just a shot for shot remake using. Um, you know, live action lions compared to you know animated lions. I'm still going to love it just as much as I enjoyed the one 25 years ago. I, I just can't wait. What about you? I'm right there with you. I have no expectations. I've tried not. I've watched the trailers. I've tried not to listen to any reviews on anything. I've also like whenever I was putting up the soundtrack today, the other soundtrack for the new movie was available. I tried not. I didn't listen to that. I want to be just surprised. Same way I was with Aladdin whenever we jumped in. And went and saw that and just the new versions of the songs. We I, did listen to the new soundtracks all on the way, way home. home. <laughs> yeah. I think it's awesome. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people out there that say, you know, just you know, the theater and movies in general have just started reproducing everything from a generation. But truth is, like, we love that stuff. We grew up in an era 
that that really meant a lot to us. It was a huge ordeal. It was new. This type of stuff was coming out. From all I'm concerned, keep remaking it. It doesn't destroy what was there before. So you can come out with something that stinks. But if, if anything else, it. it it keeps the memories of that alive for the next generation. Uh, a lot of movies that we watched growing up were re-released. Like um, Snow White was mm-hmm. released on VHS. It came out in 1939. Yeah, Robin I mean, Hood Super Bowl. And I was, was thinking was, was that a cash me. grab? It might have been. I don't know, but it was a way for me to experience sure. what they experienced back in the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I mean, if this is a way for the next generation to enjoy what we enjoyed 25 years ago, absolutely go for it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, the new Mulan looks incredible, too. So, I mean, I just, I'm here for all of it. We're going to see Dumbo next week. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't see it when it was in theater. We'll watch it next week when we go to the uh, Night Out in Kenley. They're showing it for free. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see that, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it. Uh, it goes along with that, whereas I'm sure we'll talk about Ninja Turtles as a whole episode at some point, but even the newer Ninja Turtle movies, which honestly I'm not a fan of, I didn't really like what they look like, but I realized that this brought Ninja Turtles to a whole new generation. It brought the old Ninja Turtles back. It's brought them back into the viewing eye of things. It brought them back where toys are for sale again, and because of these new toys that honestly probably don't sell as great, they're reproducing old toys. They're also companies like NECA and everybody else is coming out making these awesome versions of toys that we never even had the opportunity to own as a kid. So, I mean, all it is is it just brings, at least like you said, the attention to these things. So it brings the Lion King back out. It brings back, you know, memories and behind-the-scenes footage that you've probably never seen before, but it's available now because it's popular, you know, from the original Lion King. So I've got high hopes for it. I'm really excited to go see it. I can't wait to see it. We'll probably see it Friday or Saturday night. Yep. Um, Just can't wait to go see it in the theater. What Um, we got next time? Next week, uh, we are going to be discussing... Music that reminds you of summer. I don't have any little quirky uh, tease or intro like we did the, done the past few weeks. Just songs that remind you of summer, and this is gonna, not necessarily our favorite summer songs. No, or, but songs that when you hear it, it puts you it back puts in you a time. Back in a time because um, I go ahead and tell you, my list is nothing like the stuff I listen to now. But whenever I hear those songs, it transports me back to late nineties, early two thousands, mid two thousands, whatever. Um, so these are songs that remind us of summer. We can't wait to share that with you next week, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Again, social media. Hit w- us up. Let us know what your songs are. We, we look forward to hearing that, too. So uh, WTW underscore media on Twitter, What the What Media on Instagram. Instagram. You can share our podcast from Podbean, Apple Music, Spotify, and Google Play. Please get, our, um, get this podcast out here. We're enjoying what we're doing. We hope you're enjoying it as well. We just want as many people as possible to enjoy uh, everything that we're talking about. So. Uh, Kyle, anything else for us tonight? I think that's it. Everybody tune in. Let us know what your favorite songs are. Thanks for listening. We appreciate Lion King. Stay as cool as the other side of the pillow, and we'll see you next time. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was definitely good. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. What the what?